0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here, as always, and of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 2-1 win at Villa Park against AZ Alkmaar in the UEFA Conference League. Of course, or UEFA, Europa Conference League, I should say. I'm always going to screw it up, so I do apologize for that. But regardless, that makes it 15 wins on the bounce for Villa at Fortress Villa Park happy days we're going to break this down for the next little bit and then we'll touch on the full match heading into Sunday's action a little bit later on so stay tuned for that but of course it's not just me it is Mr. Tom Nightingale making his monthly appearance at this point not shots fired but uh, you're having the consistency of one Musa Diaby these days Tom so uh, that that is something uh, in terms of ratio is actually pretty good in Villa uh, Villa world even Though some may not agree with it. So, how's it going for you? Sorry to throw you under the bus. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a bench player at best these days, I think, to be honest. But
1: I come on for a little cameo. I don't know how effective it is. But um, yeah, no, uh, pretty good, man. Like, it's hard to be too disappointed. I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily have said that, you know, uh at the 60-minute mark of the game or whatever. But uh yeah, you know, hard to be too disappointed, really. Another win. Um, I didn't think we played massively well but for any of my any of my diehard fans for the of this podcast they'll know that i like to trot out the same line every time which is that if you don't play well just make sure you win and i think after that the forest disappointment um to bounce back was a really big you know to bounce back was really big i think today um and what a fantastic call to win it you know unbelievable so yeah you know hard to be two destinies in our own hands i think in the group now um. Yeah, and then on to Fulham. Three why is it play again in three days. This season is just crazy,
0: isn't it? Like breakneck speed. Well, that and of course now we have another break after Fulham, and then we have uh, a, a week of just boring highlights and international breaks and barely any villa discussion that'll probably be out there so everyone hibernates and then we're back into the thick of things like december is mental oh it? yeah like I, I don't even know how i'm going to function in December content content wise but it is what it is
1: yeah that's a problem for us to work out isn't it yeah 100
0: <laughs> but yeah um I, I forgot
1: there's another international break there are loads on there these days um oh god but you know if we get a win i'd not to jump ahead straight away but um you know you'd have to say home to you know home to fulham right um you would really fancy us if we can get that win and go into international break on a high we can keep it on rolling
0: yeah see this is the thing that really bugs me and this has nothing to do with today's game we'll get on to that in just a second folks i i do promise but i know after forest a lot of people thought well three three points dropped we would have we would have been two points off the top if we would have won That's true. But that's like saying City, if they won, if they didn't lose their two games that they've lost so far in the league and won them, they would have been (laughs) six points even further. So it is what it is. And of course, Fulham is another opportunity to get back on winning wings, winning ways, I should say, in the league. Sorry. But I mean, Tom, like you said, this game, most importantly, it's it wasn't so much about the performance. it, It was about the result and. I know we've said this probably several times under, well, probably a million times under the Unai Emery era and maybe a few times under the Dean Smith era and that ugly patch in between that, that we really don't want to discuss in this parish any further, but this is a sign of a good team getting through some kind of weird struggle. I, I, I think you'd probably agree that this game just kind of before, obviously Villa took the lead. And even when they were losing, just felt like one that Villa couldn't really get any tempo there. they I don't want to say there wasn't a lot of desire, but it seemed like Villa were starting to go through a little blip and there was some concern within the stadium, of course, on social media with the fan base walking, watching at home. But I mean, again, a win's a win. It doesn't matter. It's one of those that you just kind of move on from. You're happy about it. It keeps Villa second in group E uh, level with Warsaw. And of course now it's all to play for uh, in this group within three weeks. So, I mean, overall you have to look at it and you have to be happy. I mean, we would all want another four-one win against Alkmaar, but you know, with these ties, you have two chances to play every single team within your group. So realistically, you would expect Alkmaar to be better than they were, of course, when Villa travelled to the Netherlands of what a couple of weeks or so back. So all in all, happy days, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. That's the thing. Like we we absolutely blew them away, didn't we? Um, two weeks ago in the Netherlands. But I I sort of always thought really. You know, I, I thought that game would, I thought the, the away game at Altma would be really tough. But what, what I really liked about that game is we'd clearly learnt the lessons from the Warsaw game, both I think in terms of Emery's team selection and also I felt like Warsaw in the group opener, we were really overawed by the crowd. Um, whereas we came out on the front foot and just blew them away, really. And I so I thought after that that today was going to be more difficult, really, because I thought they might sit in and we'd have that thing of, you know, can we break them down? Um, we're very, you know, we're very, very. The thing with us, another thing that pleases me about today is, you look at our record this season. We're fantastic when we score the first goal. When we don't score first, I can't exactly remember what the record is, but it's pretty bad, I think. Um, so, you know, with the disallowed goal, you know, if the-, if the disallowed goal had stood in the what second minute or whatever, I think we probably would have gone out and we'd have cruised to victory. I think today. But then, you know, we looked a bit stuck in the mud, I thought, for parts of the game. And once we went once we went behind, I did fear for us, I've got to be honest. Cause I, I not that we don't have the fight and the desire and the quality to come back from being a goal down, but it just hasn't really happened very much this season. So to see us come back like that, I thought was excellent. Another sign of our character and the the mentality that Emery's instilled in us. Um and like you say, now all to, in the group all to play for, I think basically with the tiebreakers being sort of head-to-head rather than overall goal difference, we've still got to travel to Zerinsky or however you say it. But um, I think really it's going to come down to us or Warsaw, who gets the better results from the last two games. And so if we, especially the Warsaw game at home, I know it's the the group, the, the last game of the group, um, it might come down to that, to be honest. In which case, I guess that would be what with the head-to-head result and stuff, that would be a, a, a big win or more than a one-goal win for us would do it. But anyway, the point is, is that Destiny is in our own hands, isn't it? Which it wouldn't necessarily have been the
0: case today if we hadn't have found that winner. Yeah, I think now looking at it with how the group is playing out, of course, now Villa need one more point and they qualify for the knockout stages regardless, which is a massive bonus. But I mean, we all know as Villa fans, we need to finish top. We do not need another uh two-legged tie just to clog up the fixture uh, the thing, like, just to clarify because I, I i didn't actually know this
1: until today i think but yeah if, so if, if we finish top of the group we skip the round of 32 let we, we go in straight into the last 16 which you i mean you talked about i don't know when the round of 32 would be i guess like january february i think they take a big break over winter i think um but that's the last thing you need really coming back like you said already really busy december period and you come in and you got fa cup third round you know will we win an fa cup tie for the first time in bloody ages we will <laughs> the last the last thing you need or the last thing you want really is another is like a two-legged tie adding to the slog so to finish top it's not only about seeding or whatever in the last stages it's about getting that buy to the last
0: 16 that would be massive i think for our season Yeah, exactly. And I'm just looking up to see when the knockout, they call it the knockout round playoffs for the uh, round of 32. So they would be on the 15th and 22nd of February, of course, of next year. So the 15th of February, I'm looking at this live time. So if people think I'm struggling, the struggle is real. Um, (laughs) That would be in between, um, let's see here. Oh my God, I have it all screwed up. Um, and all buggered up. Let's see here. I apologize for this delay, but I'm sure everyone's loving me just pausing. That would be in between uh, United at home and I think Fulham away, which the Fulham game would be two days um, after that. So they'd probably have to move that, I would imagine. And then, of course, the one on the 22nd um, would then obviously fall right before Forest too. So we'd basically have um whoever we would play then fulham unless they move that completely and then uh the second uh phase of that knockout one so i mean that just would add a lot of pressure into that week and yeah of course we don't know what's going to go on with potential injuries and things like that hopefully knock on wood we get everyone back for the rest of the season and that is it for the curse of the the dreaded injuries but it's all about managing expectation now and actually kind of really going through at this point i don't I don't think it's something that una emery is definitely going to be nervous about or even the players have to be nervous about is it tom it's just one of those things where they just have to do their best and kind of go for it now the the pressure of not qualifying you'd say is non-existent at this point yeah. so yeah it, it, i don't want to say it's a free hit but it almost is in a way if that makes sense
1: yeah i think i, I think so as well and um
0: uh, talking about like Trump
1: wanting to avoid fixture congestion I, I, I thought we saw a little bit of it again today to be honest like we are we are going out because you know there's no ramsey there's no moreno although he'll, he'll be back very shortly there's obviously no brendier and no Mings um there's been no john duran either as, an, as a striker option off the bench for for ages um so partly due to circumstance and also having going back to the warsaw game the fact that we lost the opening game of the group, we're having to play these European games with, what, I don't know, nine of the same players that we start with in the league, generally. Yeah. You know, Longley came in today. Carlos came in. Um, I think apart from that, well, Tielemans comes in, doesn't he, for Europe? So I guess that's three. And then the other eight, um, the other eight are the, you know, the guys who start every week. So I thought we looked slightly, you know, we, I don't think we look fresh, do we? As a team, really today trying to break them down, we looked a little um, mentally tired. Actually, I thought more than physically tired. So, yeah, avoiding fixture build up will be massive, and then I think we all know we keep going to keep repeating it until it actually happens. But getting getting JJ Ramsey back, getting Alex Moreno back is going to be absolutely massive because it gives you whether or not you see them as the nailed on starting two, like on the left flank, which is what they were, you know, where they were both playing before injury. Um, it's not even so much about whether you see them as the starting pair on the left. It's about the options, right? It gives you a whole different set of options um, on the left-hand side. It means you can move players around a bit. We just haven't had that flexibility at all. So that is going to be such a huge boost whenever that happens. I'm hoping Moreno gets some game time on Sunday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I think there was a quote from Unai Emery on Alex Moreno because, of course, he was on the bench today. And then there was um, video of him going to the um, into the dressing room. I think five minutes prior to the uh, whistle at prior to halftime, I should say. Uh, Unai Emery said, "I was thinking about bringing him on, but the result was tight, and after five months to play or of not playing." Um, and to have that impact, I prefer to play with him when the match is maybe more easy. He is wishing to play because he's feeling very good. Um, I had to kind of make that more of an English um sensical um, <laughs> statement because some of it is very broken. Um, But hopefully uh, people got the gist of that. But the one thing I actually want to go back to for just a moment here, Tom, is the high line. I mean... It is typical when I Emery to do this. He's not going to deviate away from it. Um, he'll make small tweaks and adjustments. But were you a little bit surprised that he didn't maybe sit slightly deeper? Because I was kind of almost expecting even to have a high line, but maybe focus on playing a few feet behind that. Because I think in that kind of instance, yes, it gives Alkmaar more of the ball. But let's be honest, if we would have played like that on I think this scoreline would have been like four or five, one because they just couldn't handle it in the first leg. And I was kind of surprised we approached that. I know we're the home side, so you want to kind of have that impetus and have more of the ball, but what did you make of that? I mean, it's it's kind of the
1: big issue to debate, isn't it? I think for our season so far. Like I have to say, in general, I'm a I'm a fan of this high line defending. Sure it's risky. <laughs> it's certainly risky. But you have to say that more often than not we get it right. You know the number of times I'd love to see the stats. The number of times we've caught people offside um, this year is great. That's clearly a targeted ban and it works more often than not. But I am a, <laughs> it is it is not my place to question Lord Unai. Yeah, but true. What I will say is that I, I I think today's game. You know for a fact that Altmar are going to come to Villa Park. They're not necessarily going to sit really deep and defend and give us tons of the ball, but their game plan is counter attack all day long. You know, it's going to be that. So to play that high line is very risky. I will. The one, the one caveat I will give for this, for this is that their goal, the replays that I've seen and the angles that I've seen. It's I mean, offside. <laughs> he looks yeah. up. <laughs> so that's, that is the caveat for that. Um, maybe we did execute it perfectly again. Um, but it, it's certainly a risky strategy I, I I can't help but feel that if we'd have sat back a little bit more, sat that line even two yards deeper today through the game you, surely you're then forcing Altmar to get the ball down on the ground and try and play through us which I don't believe they would have been able to do, I know we have a second choice central defensive pairing out there um, but I can't really see a world in which Altmaar like win the game if we if they have a little bit more on the ball and we ask them to play through us and we sit slightly deeper. Whereas their tactic all day was it's like rugby, it's kick and run, you know, yeah. kick, kick kick down the line, kick over the top and run onto it. Um, we caught them offside a bunch of times, so I guess you know, I guess on balance it worked again. But it's just I don't know if it is necessarily a catch-all solution. But hey.
0: All's well that ends well. (laughs) Well, it's kind of funny because I feel like VAR is made for the way Unai Emery plays. Because when you're playing such a high line, a lot of these potential offsides are going to be reviewed because of such close calls continually, Mm -hmm. which they have been since he's became Villa boss, and of course, and probably previous instances as well it's kind of weird of course because we know the clement long leg goal now um has come out with the official saying it was actually onside and leon bailey was with how that passage of play was i kind of thought it was odd that it wasn't considering that ollie Watkins headed it it was basically cleared off the line and then by that time leon bailey was onside but anyways whatever then there's that one and then of course they very weird angle that they gave basically everyone watching on the tv for uh their goal it looked like um the az striker was offside so i mean all in all everything works out we can't be too mad <laughs> you you look at of course david carlos's goal and the fact that Bubakar kamara didn't score that yeah. put it about 30 yards outside of villa park didn't touch anybody we got a corner from it i, I think it was a little bit of sympathy that he missed that one was yeah it? <laughs> I, I mean we, i mean we do have to talk about that don't we because that is that's never
1: in a million years a corner. I genuinely think that the referee thought there's no way that Kamara's missed from there. <laughs> you know, that must have taken a deflection um, because watching it in real time on the TV, I couldn't believe that Kamara had missed it. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got away with one of that one there, didn't we massively, but um, it's sort of the way it goes. So I can't be too, you know, if VAR says that their goal is onside, I guess you have to, you have to just take that one on the chin and with the um with our goal being disallowed and them coming out and saying that it should have been allowed if it had cost us i'd be pretty pissed off right now but yeah it didn't cost us and we got (laughs) we scored from a corner that absolutely 101 percent was a goal kick um yeah we'll take that and move on i think
0: absolutely i did like this note from jacob tanswell pre-game of course he was Um, reporting at the game and was watching Alkmaar do their their warm-ups and he says AZ are doing a shooting and crossing warm-up inside the box under no pressure with no defenders probably 80% of their shots have missed the target which is quite funny (laughs) (laughs) to be honest if I was Unai Emery I'm assuming he probably wasn't out there for warm-ups or he's probably sitting inside planning till the very last second prior to kickoff but If I even caught wind of that, I'd be thinking, okay, let's sit back and absorb this because they're not going to hit the target anyways. I do
1: think think their striker Pavlidis, um, I mean, he scores a lot in Holland, which I don't know, (laughs) say what you will, but I I think he's a pretty good player. You know, he runs the line very well. His finish was very good today. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him well, no disrespect to Altmar, but I wouldn't
0: be surprised to see him get moved. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised time. to see him at Fulham in January. Wouldn't that be a very <laughs> Fulham striker? I would of be deal? a very Fulham striker. Famous striker. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: but yeah, I mean, you can't be too you can't be too disappointed, can you? Really one one player I would like to mention is I thought that generally a few misplaced passes here and there, whatever. I thought that Yuri Tielemans had a very good game today. I think he's done pretty well. He was he was ropey very ropey for the Warsaw game um, in the opening group game but then to be quite frank like, wasn't everyone uh, I think we were very overawed in that game and I think while Unai Emery is a European football expert I do not think that Aston Villa Football Club are European football experts in this day and age and I think the, that got to us a little bit Um, but the last three games in Europe I think Tielemans has been excellent in midfield um. And I thought he was quite possibly our best player today. Driving forward, you know, spraying passes around, winning the ball back. Um, so it's good, it's another good indicator. We've talked about the lack of depth with Ramsey and Moreno um injured, but being able to drop players like Yuri Tielemans into the midfield for games like this is um, I mean, it's levels above where we where we were, isn't
0: it, a few years ago? Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of him being a more of a in a pairing two in the midfield, more of a holding role. Of course, he's playing much more advanced than uh, the big boob himself, Bubakar Kamara. Um, I, I mean, it, it's telling. And of course you have the opportunities when you're playing um, no disrespect to Alkmaar, but when you're expecting to have plenty of the ball and there's less pressure because there has been, and it's proven to be so far in this group that you can play him a little bit further back, but I don't know personally I thought he should have been where Diaby played a little bit further forward today because we saw that of course in the previous leg that he was absolutely unplayable and I, to be honest the way that which Diaby played today I feel like Tillemans would have benefited more than Diaby did w- what have you made of Diaby lately because I I don't want to be too harsh and I I don't think there's any reason to but I feel like lately aside from Uh, of course I think it was what he scored against West Ham didn't he or something like that I think was the last one had a very good performance there it just seems like he's fading in and out a little bit over the last month or so Than we'd probably like but I mean again it's still probably growing pains a little bit of inconsistency and then with all the fixture congestion added in it just probably more would you say it's more of a circumstance that we can't rotate enough to give him more rest so maybe he's not showing off more consistent quality maybe in the league or what have you kind of made of him over the last little bit?
1: Yeah, I don't really know. Like to be honest, I, I he's a quality player. His speed is a huge asset and he, I, I love that how directly he drives forward. Um, and I guess, you know, I said this, we've said this a few times, I think about like Leon Bailey and you can say it about most players who play mostly as wingers is that that position in a way is quite a thankless position to play. I mean, I know I've criticised Leon Bailey before in the past, Um, but it's quite a thankless position to play, I think, because you are burdened with having to create. You know, you're burdened with having to. You have to get the ball down on the floor, take on defenders, drive at goal. You got to work the. You know, you got to work the channels. You got to. You know, you got to be able to cut inside. You got to be able to cut outside. You got to be able to cross. You got to be able to shoot, and more. Most of all, you've got to be one of the players who shows the most attacking impetus and try and beat defenders. And when that is your role, like obviously a lot, of, a fair amount of the time, that's not going to be successful because you have to try so much in a game. Um, overall, I'm very pleased with his contributions. Um, I think he's got that kind of explosive quality that not many players in our squad have. I do think it will benefit him as well as us to have people like Ramsey back because it's been either Diaby and Bailey or Diaby and Zaniolo so far. If you bring Ramsey back and you put Ramsey into that kind of attacking midfield slash winger rotation, you do add a whole nother dimension, I think, because I think while Bailey, Diaby, and Zaniolo all have their benefits, you know, they all, they all have serious talent and they're all quite good at getting the ball down and running with the ball. I, th- I just feel like when, whenever Ramsey runs with the ball, I think we said this a while ago on a, on, a, on a pod, Ramsey running with the ball quite a lot of the time reminds me of Grealish, yeah. to be honest, because he, it's the ball sticks to him. You're not going to get it off him, no. You're not going to get him off. His balance is unbelievable. I don't, know, I don't know how. He's a pretty slender guy. He just doesn't really get knocked off the ball. And Ramsey, I do feel, certainly has the makings of a player who, as an attacking midfielder or a winger, can do pretty much everything in a way that I feel like Leon Bailey necessarily can't. I don't feel like Zaniolo, from what we've seen of him so far, can. Um, and Diaby I, Diaby, I think, has that potential as well. But I think May's just still sort of settling in. Fixtures are coming really quickly. And he hasn't... I honestly don't think he'd be getting... I don't think Diaby would or maybe should be getting quite as many minutes as he gets if we were fully fit. I'm not saying I think he should be on the bench more or whatever, but maybe he's a person you rotate out more or you substitute off in the 60th minute that sort of thing keep him fresh and keep him playing in those sort of explosive bursts we haven't had again we haven't had that luxury have we so far so um i said it before where before ramsey came back uh when he came in and he scored against brighton um when we thrashed him before then i think i said i'm just so excited to have him back because i think he's I don't know if he's necessarily one of our more important players. Like we've been winning plenty of games without him. He's definitely one of our most exciting players, and I think he's definitely one of the players that you can sort of put a lot of our attacking output on his shoulders. Whether or not he scores or assists in games, the number of the number of moves leading to goals that is involved in at some point is must is feels phenomenal. So I think we like with anything really. I think having these players back is going to just really help, and I think the Abby is one player it's going to it's going to help a lot
0: yeah absolutely i i mean quickly on ramsey i just not to be negative but the way it's going this season i just have one of those genuine fears this season where he's just going to be on and off in terms of injuries for some i mean he's coming back from a serious one and this just reminds me of like the last bit with jack Relish, where it was like plays a bit or is he coming back is he not is he and then it was like he started to injured again. It's like there's just it's hard to stay fit and get that consistency when things just keep can kind of those niggles keep coming up. And they're I don't know. Eventually, they do eventually fade away and we can all be happy about that. But I mean, it's just it is concerning at this point in time. And it's not really ideal. Like, I mean, you can look at Luca Dean. I feel bad for him because literally, yes. I mean, he's probably loving it. his play every game. But at some point he's going to gas out because this is a lot of games so hopefully same thing for Moreno he was supposed to come back like a month ago and it's kind of is he or will he not can he maintain that as well so it's a lot of things and I think it's underrated for a lot of players to come back from injuries and of course people look into the stats and things and kind of there's more concerning numbers to look in it but even for example today I think Longley's been done very well um, with how he's played for Villa thus far but it would be mings instead of him he probably wouldn't even joined i think probably maybe we would have seen another right back potentially come in yeah. instead of, of that and then maybe give cons some more rest he doesn't have to play on the right the, the whole midfield two and probably that midfield um attacking three right above them probably changes a little bit more so all in all it's a wait and see thing and i think villa are doing very well but again it's one of those things where we have to be probably and una emery is i mean we have no reason to doubt him the fact that i that i saw some people on social media doubting him after forest was ridiculous <laughs> but regardless I just, of I just that avoided, i avoided social media entirely after losing to forest you just know yeah. what it's going to be like don't you like... it's well like it's it's mental because it's it's snobbery in the finest not finest form of course i was annoyed I had a weird feeling against forest. It just wouldn't Mm -hmm. be pulled off and something was going to go wrong. There's a few sides every year where I just don't have confidence for some reason. And them and wolves are always one for me, but I mean, it's really not the end of the world. Like I said before, at the very start of this, we bounce back. That's the most important thing. Now for me, it's how we react to Fulham. Away. And we'll get to that in just a moment, Tom. But let's get over to the three word reviews. I saw that you put yours in here already. So I'm sure you're going to use that again. But I will leave that for you to read out so I don't have to make you come up with another one and put you under any um, sense of urgency. So, of course, you can tweet us at 7500 to post Postmatch and have your say uh, via Twitter slash X. Sometimes it's on Facebook, if I can remember. And sometimes, and half the time, I forget to even read those out when I put them on Facebook. Uh, as well. But anyways, let's start with uh Chris Queen saying uh Louise and Watkins. Uh Michael says high line hell. Matt Parker one move on. Matt James says ref always wrong. Um Joe Martini. Um instead of huge three points, he puts huge um three points or pug with a Uh, abbreviated e basically um with reference to the uh famous villa park pug now that's a thing i don't know how someone got in to the stadium with that mask on but uh or where you had to hide it but all in all uh, kudos to you if you are listening and you had the pug mask uh brian uh de la villa says that'll do donkey i don't really know what that's referencing but anyways uh tom brennan job done yes regan says win that matters daryl says up the villa and let's do three more because why the hell not um gary fels old villa lose, which is very accurate dan baker learning in europe and let's finish with uh joe martini which i don't know if i actually read one of his or if he has multiple but anyways i'm going to because i can he says on to fulham which is very accurate but tom what is your three-word review
1: yeah it's a good opportunity for me to talk about it as well i went for uh, douglas louise magician (laughs) because as much as I've been praising like Tielemans, I think it played very well. And I thought we were, you know, I thought midfield and everything we were like okay today. I didn't think we were great. You bring Douglas Louise on. I I genuinely don't know if we have a more a player who has a greater combination of tech, like raw technical ability and form on their side at the moment than Douglas Louise. He is he made, he he made that assist for Watkins look absolutely effortless
0: we haven't even talked about that yet I mean, what a goal
1: (laughs) it's such a hard pass to to judge perfectly you know the weight of it and yeah he just made it look so so easy um it's just quality you know and to to have that big an effect on today's game in such a short period of time I thought was very indicative of how his season is going is absolutely 100% deserved that he is in the Brazil squad how much time I want him to see in their games, I'm not sure, to be honest. But yeah, five-minute cameos will take it. <laughs> yeah, that'll do, yeah. Um, but, you know, he deserves that. He really deserves that. He's been, he's been fantastic this season, and I thought that was one of the better assists we've seen from a Villa player. Um, well,
0: it's so a good far. example, too, though. Like, he only needs that one moment. Ollie Watkins yeah. only needs that one moment, and we've come out with a win because of that. Like, that's the sign. People can look at Douglas Louise when I first signed him, and we all knew there was potential there. This is the potential. Yeah. And 100%. he's going to get better still. Like, yeah. I think people forget how young he is still. He's still but, in his early to mid 20s. Like, it's just, they it's, don't really, it's lovely to see.
1: They don't really need him, but Man City, how
0: much was their buyback clause that they had? 30, for I think 35 about, or something? something.
1: like 30, 35 million. Like, yeah. Man, they don't need him. But if you're looking at great investments and everything, they, you know, there must be a couple of people at City, I think, thinking <laughs> that was a big missed opportunity because when he's playing like this, genuinely, I think he's worth double that this season. The way that he's playing, but I think he's worth fifty million. Who knows in today's market? I'd say he, sixty just, at least. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 a difference maker for us, isn't he? And that's honestly, we've got a team, not necessarily a team full of them. But we've got several of those types of players now. Louise is right at the front of the queue. Shout out as well. You mentioned Ollie Watkins because he had one of those games where it's got to be tough as a striker. Sometimes he was chasing down everything. He got he got some really he got a really good reception from the Villa the Villa Park crowd a few times for chasing down their goalkeeper or their defender, chasing a loose ball, putting in that effort that you know you're going to get from Ollie Watkins. If that winning got you know if that pass from Louise doesn't happen. He's probably going to be go- like Watkins is probably going to be going off the pitch and he's going to be pretty frustrated at the end of that game because he was making he was making a lot of runs all game. He was chasing everything down. He just wasn't really getting the service. The Arby and Bailey and people tried. Um, but to be fair to Altmar, they were v- they're very resilient. They were pretty resilient defensively. Um, and a lot of attempted passes into the box and everything, a lot of Bailey, Leon Bailey's attempted cutbacks and all that sort of stuff were getting stopped. If not at source, then by the sort of second man in the box. So it's the kind of game that for a striker like Watkins, who put in that work rate and everything, feeding off scraps for a game, got to be really frustrating. So for him to nail the timing of that run, for him to get that service from Louise and score the winning bowl, I'm just thrilled for him. And I mean, I, I put this on, I put this on, start on Twitter after the game, but like Ollie Watkins now, 10 goals this season for Villa. Ten goals and five assists in fourteen starts this season for Villa. Like those are getting towards elite numbers, if they're not already outright elite numbers. He's become, he's become that player. He's always going to score in fits and starts. It's just the player he is. He's net. Ollie Watkins is never going to be a player who plays thirty-eight Premier League games in a season and scores twenty-five to thirty goals. I just don't think that's him, to be honest. And that's fine if you've getting if you're getting goals from elsewhere, which this season we have been, right? Hit players like Luis. But what you are going to get from Molly Watkins is you're going to get runs of fantastic form. And you're also, more often than not, the biggest transformation I've seen in Watkins recently is that it used to be the case where he waited all game for a chance. He got it and he missed it in a lot of games. Now he scores it more often yeah. than not. Look at today. And it's just fantastic. It's another, yet another sign of the overall. Top-to-tail improvement that we're seeing under Emory. Still a work in progress. It's fantastic.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Borough purchase at borough.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash ACAST. Well, that's a thing. He's probably like a high teens, maybe 28 goal a season. Yeah, I think, so. I think he can reach. He'll but He'll hit 20 this year because of Europe. But know. he can add like 10 assists, and that's yeah. the biggest difference. I don't yeah. care if he doesn't score 30. What he's adding aside from that is what so many other strikers, probably in my opinion, 75%, if not 80 or more percent of the strikers in the Premier League or even probably throughout Europe can't even do. He's, I know people will call, for example, like Holland the complete striker, but I mean, for me, I love Watkins because he adds everything. Yeah, and like he's the per. I I mean, of course, I'm I'm sure, and I'll get to it in a second. But I'm sure Fabrizio Romano will link him with a link to Arsenal in in January as well as he just did to Douglas Luiz. But um, thanks, Fabrizio. Um, But he just adds so much to this Villa team. And again, like you said, it doesn't really matter who's scoring the goals as long as we're scoring them. But Mm. he's if he's not scoring, he's assisting most of them. So again, it's a major outlier, and I think it's something that is massively underplayed probably within many areas of the media world Um, and you know what continue to do so because then there's less links and less things of Villa fans panicking online and uh, by themselves internally Um, but regardless of that yeah I mean to Dougie Dougie Louise for a second like when I we were talking of course pre-recording Tom and I mentioned that Fabrizio Romano was Saying that he's Arsenal's number one target. They'll revisit it in January, which I love how he brings it up after a win. Like he's always known that it's guaranteed. I mean, he's got the treat treat in the draft, doesn't he? He's just waiting for the win. Oh, he he probably probably has so many, but like (laughs) realistically, and it's not going to happen. Like Villa will not lose Dougie Louise this year. And to be honest, I don't think he even is thinking about leaving because I, I don't think that so, the, the pull of Unai is too strong. But he's like,
1: back, back in the Brazil squad now as well, which for him was probably the miss, if anything was, was the missing piece, it would have been that. Yeah. And now, you know, now that he's getting that recognition with us, you know,
0: part of me is almost like, you know what, come in for him in January because you're going to like, and I, I mean this with all seriousness, it's not going to happen, but they would have to pay over 100 million. Because gen- you have January yeah. inflation and all of that, and I'm not even kidding. Because to get him out of this side, it's going to cost at least that. And
1: when, when did he sign? I've lost track now because we had a, we had a run of new contracts, but it was you know was relatively recently. Yeah, for sure. So he's got something like four years on his deal, at least I think. Yeah, um, and he's arguably. I mean, I can't definitively name a Villa player who's playing better this season than Douglas Luiz is. So honestly, I don't think you're I don't think you're far off with that sort of ballpark valuation, and the mo- the most important thing is that if somebody comes in, they get laughed out of the room. You yeah. know, it's not even really about the money, is it? This in Jan, certainly not in January. There's That's no pressure money.
0: with Villa anymore in terms of oh, we have to sell, we have to do this, and yep. it- it's going to take a negative impact. If we sell someone, it's for nowadays. It's for uh, top money. There's already probably two or three replacements already in mind. And there's a kind of a coolness and calmness, yeah. even when you're losing someone of quality. So I have no concerns, and I mean it's not really even a talking point, but I did want to bring that up because that just <laughs> it, it annoys me so much because it's it's lazy journalism to be honest. It's just for clicks basically and to get followers on social media. But anyways, Tom, who was your man of the match against Alkmaar on this fine Thursday?
1: Yeah, it's a tough one because, like I said, I didn't think we didn't think we played massively well for most of it, I've got to be honest. Um, I think I'm going to give it to I think I'll give it to Tielemans. I've mentioned him already. He he certainly wasn't perfect. I don't think any Villa player was anywhere near perfect today really. It was another one where I think we've won a game where we were 7 out of 10 maybe. Um, Some people might even argue less for most of the game. Um, But Tielemans, the thing that it's not necessarily just the performance today it's the way he's sort of, you know, there was speculation coming out of Belgium there a while ago about and i think he said there was a suggestion that some of his words were taken out of context or whatever but the, the, the gist of what he actually said was that he sort of wants to be competing for starts like every player would like to be starting wouldn't they right he hasn't, started, so. he, yeah. hasn't start, he hasn't started a game in the premier league and i don't think he's come off the bench every time because how are you going to break up luis and kamara you know um but the way he's reacted in the last month or so in the european appearances he's made um is really really great to see you know he he knows he has a bit he knows he has a significant role to play. Like, okay, no midfielder wants to be the first choice depth option. You want to be the first choice option. But if you're if you can't be the first choice option, then when you step in, you need to do the vast majority of what you do well. And you need to have decisive impacts on games and be a major reason why your team are winning games. And I I feel like again, I feel like today he was that. And I feel like most of the time he plays in Europe now, he is that. And he's even starting to show flashes of it in the in the Premier League. Like I, I wouldn't want to lose Louise or Kamara to like one game suspension or like a little knock that keeps them out for a game. But whereas in the first few weeks of the season, or certainly last season, it might have been panic stations if that happened. I'd feel pretty confident, really, about Tieleman about stepping in because I think he's he's brought his level up from where it was in the first sort of month or, you know, maybe even longer of the season.
0: Yeah. And like, that's the thing with him too. Like I was kind of questioning the comments that were brought out. And of course they were probably taken into a a more negative context once they're shared around. And I had my opinions on them, but when I think about it now, him coming to Villa and probably talking to Unai Emery, it was more so, look, we're planning to go deep in uh, at least one domestic competition in Europe, assuming we qualified at that time, which of course, I think everyone was very confident You're going to get more than enough games. And I think by the end of this season, I think it's going to prove that. Now, if it was, I don't think he would have came here if we were just playing in the Premier League. But like the fact that you probably look at that number, and I think he'll be happy with it. And he's growing into this team as well. And again, like you've said before, he makes such a good impact as a a deep line playmaker. He can move even further forward in Diaby's role. And I, I think that helps Diaby too, because you know what? If Diaby goes through a little bit of a niggling injury phase or he's massively out of form that gives someone like Tillemans and of course we even have Zaniolo that apparently can play down through the middle at times as well which Mm. I mean is a conversation for another day um because I know we'll take too long if we get onto that (laughs) but um all in all I, I think he offers so much I'll throw one in for my man of the match slash match ball and I'm gonna give it to John McGinn I actually thought he was very efficient today didn't really notice a crazy amount of what he did, but of course, his normal twists and turns, drawing fouls, uh, very combative. Of course, he had the opportunity where he basically zipped by two players and then I think it was the third one um, kind of got a, a hold of his uh, effort on the on the uh, Elkmar goal and then it didn't even make it to the goal, but I think he was very lively uh, showing some of that leadership no. and uh, I mean, I would probably give it to Tillmans as well, but just to be different, I'll give it to John McGinn. You know who, uh, you know who McGinn kind of reminds me of?
1: these days like you you, to your point about you're not really noticing him necessarily what he does he reminds me a lot of uh kind of role that James Milner played in the Mm. O'Neill team there was a because there were times where Milner played more centrally um than out wide for us and he was always that guy I thought he was I think it was after I can't really remember I might be getting my timeline mixed up but I'm pretty sure it was after Barry left he sort of played centrally more often and he was doing that stuff you know he was spraying passes around he was winning the ball he was beating players even though he's not quickest and he was doing a lot of that unsung dirty work and doing it all very well. McGinn does that week in, week out now for us. You know, I I cannot remember that really the last time because we had spells, didn't we, kind of as a fan base where you know, we like oh, McGinn's looked a bit off for the last few weeks or whatever. I can't really remember. I don't. That hasn't happened under Emery, I don't think, as far as my yeah. memory serves me. It certainly hasn't
0: happened this season. He's just so so consistent for us these days. Absolutely. Now, Tom, Fulham on Sunday. I mean, they're not having the greatest run of it so far uh, this season. They're sitting in 15th with three wins, three draws, five losses. Uh, let's see, that puts them on 12 points minus eight goal differential. Of course, they lost Mitrovic, um very early on in the season, of course, before the transfer window in the summer closed. Um, I mean, that's a big ask to replace those goals in any side because he is such a crucial player for them but how you feeling about this one i i expect this one to be similar to the way villa played them at home last season i personally i don't expect anything but a villa win on this one that's not me being cocky i just oh, yeah. anytime villa at home especially i expect nothing but all three points but how are you feeling about this one
1: i i still i still have it's ptsd i still have a bad time outright <laughs> stating villa not have to win that game in terms of like importance necessarily but like Villa have to win Fulham at home really like if we want to be as serious a team as we are because like Fulham you said three wins I was looking at this before we recorded Fulham's three wins in the Premier League this season have been against Everton, Luton and Sheffield United yeah they've only won one away from home and that was Everton on the opening day and to be quite frank Everton then looked like the worst team in the league at the start of the season um, you've got to beat them haven't you really and honestly, I'm not. I'm not really concerned that we won't beat them. It, it sounds. It really sounds like overconfidence, but I don't think it is. It's. It's. Look at Villa's form. Look at Villa's talent. Look at the the confidence with which Villa are playing. And also, as we've talked about already on this pod and on others, the way that we, the way that we, the way that we win games. We don't necessarily blow teams away every time. But Forest aside, really in the last two months at least we grind we grind out wins when we have to. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have the vast majority of the ball. You'll have to be a bit careful of people like Willian if he's fit of lost track. But you have to be a bit careful <laughs> of players like Willian on the break. It's gonna be a similar thing. Like honestly our high our high line is going to be tested again, unfortunately. Um but we're gonna have most of the ball. We are gonna we are gonna create more than enough chances to win that game. Honestly, spice over. So I think it would take a real, real flat performance and a real um, unexpected—well, yeah, unexpected performance, I guess—to not to not win that game. And it feels really good. It feels, in a way, it feels weird to say that. Like I said, I don't like being that confident about Villa. It feels wrong, but it also feels really good. That genuinely, especially when we play at home, it's how I feel most games now.
0: That's the Unai Emery effect. Well, when you won 15 on the bounce at home, I I feel like (laughs) we'll be cocky, arrogant Villa fans when that kind of things happen. But I also kind of feel like heading into this weekend, I feel like this is an important game in the sense that it's a perfect time to kind of keep up with everyone else. Keep that kind of momentum, reestablish it a little bit, obviously, after the loss uh, to Forrest. You have Spurs playing Wolves. I mean, Wolves aren't necessarily easy to beat by any means this season, they'll give anyone a game. Uh, let's see here. You have Burnley against Arsenal, you'd expect Arsenal, um, to win that one. Newcastle, of course, if they win and Villa lose, um, they would jump ahead of us. Uh, looking even further, Brighton play Sheffield United, Liverpool play, uh, play Brentford. That's not an easy one, of course. Uh, Chelsea City on the Sunday, so there's definitely some games where you'd expect your arsenals or um, Liverpool's, et cetera, et cetera, to potentially win Newcastle as well. I I think for me looking at this and then kind of looking at the schedule even further down heading into international break, it's a good time to keep that momentum going, reestablish it. But I just feel like when, especially when you're looking at the forum table, it kind of just, it keeps you comfortably in that fifth spot, kind of your, I don't know, you're, the potential to fall to six is always there, of course, but it keeps that gap from even six below or kind of it mm-hmm. widens it. I think, in this one. So it's another advantageous week. We'll have to wait and see. I was looking at Fulham's top goal scorers as well. I'm not sure if this is all competitions. It's from the BBC, so it doesn't really specify. Uh, But their top scorer this season, do you want to guess who it is? I knew you were going to ask me. Uh... <laughs>
1: Oh, I don't know. I, to be honest, I haven't. I can't remember watching. I watch quite a lot, you know. Um,
0: non- I've not. Hilton. Willian. I'll give you that.
1: <laughs> I can't. I can't remember having seen Fulham play this year. To be honest, uh, it's not Raúl Jiménez, is it? Because they're not getting goals from. They're not getting goals from any Mitrovic replacement.
0: No, it's uh, it's Bobby Duke, Cordova, Reed on oh, two yeah. goals and two assists. Uh, Carlos Vinicius of uh Tottenham Hotspur fame a few seasons back. Has two uh, Zhao Paulinha has two uh, Harry Wilson Pereira Muniz uh, Tom Kearney Alexa Awobi, which I forgot uh, actually moved there. William and Tim Ream are all on one, so it's definitely been spreading around and very far in few between. So I, I mean, again, these can also be trap games for Villa, can't they? As yeah. well in that kind of mindset too, we can look at that and think all oh, the stats favor Villa, so it's obviously going to be a win, but. It's also important to remember that Fulham did very well coming up from the championship last season. Um, and they're not going to be easily played off the park by any means. A lot of their games have been actually pretty close. So you know they're going to put up a game on Sunday, don't we?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. But I think it's like like we said, they, they're, gonna, they're definitely going to try and break. They're going to try and exploit the high line because frankly that's what every single opponent that we have this season is going to try and do, is going to try and exploit the high line. As long as we keep a close... Watch on Willian. He called Overeem. I, I I think he's a pretty decent player. Um, he'll be looking to get in behind. Keep as long as you keep a tight lid on that. Um, and honestly, I'm not. I, we should we should beat them. We should beat them relatively comfortably if we're
0: on the kind of form that we know we can be. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like I kind of mentioned before, you don't want to go into a break with two losses on the bounce in the league and then of course like i said probably a few weeks or a month back or something like that like uh, heading december does not look fun <laughs> i'll be honest like it's going to be a true test if villa come out of december well we're finishing in the top six like that that's just going to be it because of how many games the congestion and everything like that it's kind of a it's a a make it or break it month for a lot of sides especially ones that are challenging uh, within the top six and even further down with the teams that are hoping to stay up or really accomplish something positive this season but we'll have to wait and see but uh, Tom do you have anything else that we should talk about or should we call it quits on this one I think
1: we can wrap it up particularly because uh, my wife just came home and my dog is going absolutely nuts. <laughs> so I've <been laughs> muted for the last couple of minutes because nobody needs
0: to hear that fair enough fair enough well that's what the beauty of microphones can do you can mute them and everyone thinks we're very professional uh regardless of that of course thank you to mr tom Nightingale for joining me as always you can find him on twitter slash x at td Nightingale. you can find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. For anything you want read out on the podcast, of course, you can email us, holtcast at gmail.com. And if you want to submit anything written content wise for the website, 7500 Holt, of course, email the website at 7500 to Holt, main at gmail.com. I don't know why I'm butchering that lately, but uh, I'm a little bit off form. But you know what? As any team is, it does happen and I should kind of mention this more uh, of course if you want to follow us and be so kind leave us a positive review on Spotify Apple podcast wherever you're getting this podcast listening to it share it around with your aunties uncles nephews cousins whatever any relative friend um stranger you meet on the street it just makes it easier for others to find us and engage with us so it's always appreciated But like I said, we should see you after the Fulham result on Sunday, which is hopefully a win, but we'll leave it there. And don't forget, up the Villa.